Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. Isn't that right, my man Juice? That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! Oh yeah, baby. We got a great show for you today. We're locked and loaded, ready to rock and roll. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff for you. You know we got the rights and wrongs of the week. You know we got an awesome, come on, man, segment of the day where we're going to focus in on that uh, crazy sheriff down in Texas who wants to go after my man DeSantis. We're going to talk about how our man Ron in Florida down there, how he sent those people up to Martha's Vineyard and did one of the best troll job, epic, in your face, look at your own policy decisions I've ever seen happen to the libs. Uh, We'll get into that story. And we're also going to go up to Canada for uh, a little story about hockey. So I know the Jorsky family is going to be excited about that. Matthew, Marie, and Francis, you guys are uh, going to be enjoying the the old hockey story, if you will, when we get to that one. What is this stuff on here? We're Hockey Night in Canada, and we're talking about saving the world and all that stuff. Let's talk hockey. <laughs> but before we move on with the show, uh, I, I would be remiss if I did not invite my friend, your friend, the greatest producer, east of the Mississippi and south of the Mason-Dixon line, my man, producer Juice, into the show. Thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Juice, what do you get to say to the people this week, huh? Hi, freedom lovers. This is Dr. Peterson Pierre with America's Frontline Doctors. So the Rockefeller Foundation is donating $7.2 million for the Mercury Project, which is behavioral research focused on convincing people to receive the COVID shots. The research project also wants to fight health mis and disinformation. Hmm. I wonder what they consider health myths and disinformation. The fact that the shots don't stop infection or transmission. Or wait, maybe it's the fact that the fully jabbed and fully boosted are more susceptible to COVID. Or perhaps it's the fact that the jabs have a lot of potential side effects. The project also wants to censor dissenting viewpoints. Surprise, surprise. It is vitally important for the state to use all its powers to repress dissent because the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Ladies and gentlemen, only the truth will set you free. Oh, yeah. I love it. Always fire with those. One of the best uh, little tweaks to the format that we've done around here. He's the brains in the operation, ladies and gentlemen. Finds all the greatest clips and all the uh, all the great ideas for us here on the show. If it wasn't for him, I'd just be talking aimlessly into a microphone, and that wouldn't be good for anybody. All right, I think we covered everything to uh, set us up for a great show today. So without further ado, I think it's time to uh, welcome in my friend and yours, Mr. Rick Flair, because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! Woo! All right. So uh, the other day, 
I did something that my wife will say is the first time I've done it all year, but we all know that that's not true. But I uh, was in the restroom and I happened to uh, see that the toilet paper needed to be replaced. So I took the little thing off, grabbed a new roll and put it on. And I started thinking about that, that classic debate that everybody has. You know, the which way should the toilet paper go? Which way, which way, up or down? And it got me thinking that, you know, I, I have, I guess I have a preference. Like, if I'm thinking about it, I would prefer it to come from the bottom. Now, don't shoot me if you're a top person. But at the end of the day, I've put it on the other way as well. And I don't really care all that much uh, which way which way it goes. It's not that significant of an issue. But it's one of those like raging debates you see on uh, on Twitter and and people, you know, oh, I'll never I'll never marry a uh, over the top toilet paper dispenser person. And along those same lines, when you get into the old, should pineapple be allowed on pizza? Yes or no? And you get all these passionate responses about it. And again, I'm not, I don't really love pineapple all that much. I mean. Eh, I'll take that back. I do like some some pineapple. It is pretty delicious. I'll admit, I don't think I've ever actually had it on pizza, but I'm not opposed to it either. It's just not something I ever would have thought to get, I guess. Um, and I don't think I could get very passionate about it one way or another. Hey, if you want to have pineapple on your pizza, go ahead. If I try a slice of it and think it's garbage, I'll keep mine without it. No big deal. Uh, some people like cheese on their burgers. Some freaks don't. Uh, some people eat their burgers with buns. Some freaks don't. They they just hold a bun empty and shove French fries in it and eat it like a like a hamburger sandwich. I guess I don't know, but that's fine. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. Who cares? But the funny thing is on that is is how quick everybody is to wanna argue about it and to want to want to beat their chest over it and to want to debate it and to want to want to make it into a big thing and it got me thinking that we as people we love that type of stuff we like to debate we like to share our opinions um some more than others some insist on sharing their opinions into a microphone and broadcasting that out throughout the world even if it's only a hundred listeners that's okay some people would rather keep their comments a little bit more under their breath, would rather, uh, you know, make their voices heard in different ways. But at the end of the day, we all enjoy sharing our opinions. We all like to interact with people and let them know what you feel and how you feel and what you think. I mean, that's what everybody's doing online. The problem for me is that we're all passionate about stupid stuff. We're all pas passionate about Things that don't matter. Things that make no difference in the world. There are no significant ramifications for your thoughts or opinions on pineapple on pizza or which way the toilet paper roll goes. There's no consequences to your actions. Oh, you might, you might get, get trolled a little bit. Someone might tease you a little bit. But it's all in good fun. It's all, uh, you know, a situation that suffers little to no consequences at the end of the day. But bring up something like politics at a party. Whoop, whoop, we're not talking politics. Not leave that out. Oh, what could be more important than shaping the world that we live in to understanding the way our society functions, to 
having a say and an opinion in the way your community, your direct community works. Can't find any passion for that. We can't find any any purpose or any meaning for that. No, no, no. But just as long as as long as that that pizza shop on Main Street in my community doesn't put pineapple on pizza, you guys do whatever whatever else you want to do. You want to teach little kids in the second grade that um that they can become boys can become girls and girls can can become boys. No, that's fine. As long as that school's putting the toilet paper on upside down. Is it coming out from the bottom or the top? All right then. That goes for both the boys and the girls' bathroom, right? Okay, great. Now let them do whatever they want. Because we can't talk politics. Ugh, don't want to get into that. And it's a fear. There are rights and wrongs. It's the name of the show for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone's afraid of being wrong. You're afraid that you don't know what you're talking about, or you're afraid you don't understand the process. And that's fine. I, don't, I'm, I do a political show, and I don't know the whole process of how all these things work. I just know that I can look at something and let you know in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, whether that is a, something that's right or that's wrong. And that's the whole point of this show. You don't have to be a uh, political science major to be able to be engaged and active in politics within your community, within your city, within your state, and within your country. You have an obligation to be engaged in that stuff. That's our duty. That's what we're called to do. We have a moral and a reasonable responsibility as adults in America to have some sort of interest in this stuff. It makes no difference in the world whether you want pineapple on your pizza or you want the toilet paper to come out over the top or over the bottom of the roll. So why can't we smarten up a little bit, not even literally, just smarten up figuratively about the types of conversations you're engaging in? Because you don't have to know everything about the com- about the, the thing that you're talking about. You don't have to understand all the details of the policy uh, of the of the procedure. You need to be able to. You, you need to ask questions. You need to think about it. You need to, you know, for all the critical thinking talk within our schools. You need to critically think about how things happen in your community, why they're happening, and and how you can become a part of that. Stop debating people about the pizza and the pineapple nonsense. Stop debating pe- people about cutting your sandwich diagonally or, or down the middle. Stop debating about whether peanut butter should be on, on a bagel or, or not. It's pointless at the end of the day. In this stuff that's happening, it's important because it affects us now. It's going to affect us in the future. And it's going to affect our kids and the children coming after us. All right, we've reached the point in the show where we get to come and bring you our wrongs of the week. Know you guys always get a good kick out of these. Juice box over there, the truth box himself, holding it down as usual. Found a lot of these nice clips that we got for you. And uh, you ready over there, my man? All right. He's giving a thumbs up, indicating we are good to go. So, number five, we're going to go to this pronouns nurse that put this video up on TikTok of herself explaining to everybody how important pronouns are in the medical environment. And not, you know, necessarily if they're coming for all this transgender surgery nonsense, but, you know, just if they're coming for a regular routine checkup as well. We we want to pronoun respect all around. 
What's the name of the song? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect those pronouns, you and me. <laughs> All right. Let's take it away here, Juice. Number five. This is just a daily reminder that your pronouns should be respected in any healthcare setting. Whether you are transgender or non-binary, whatever you tell the healthcare team your pronouns are, are exactly what every single member of the healthcare team should be referring to you as. Just because you're in a healthcare setting, and even if you're presenting with a problem that is related to a body part associated with your gender assigned at birth, does not mean that your pronouns should not be respected. I had a mother of a patient who was very lovely and totally respected her child's they-them pronouns. And when I confirmed that those were in fact the child's pronouns, the mother said yes, but we totally understand if you need to refer to them as their biological sex. Given that we're in a healthcare setting and they're presenting with these certain issues. And I said, no. I said, what we are treating has nothing to do with the child's gender identity and their pronouns will be respected. So you don't have to worry about that. And when we would round on the patient, whenever somebody would use the wrong pronouns, I would respectfully correct them. One good thing that came out of this is that my supervisor actually asked me to give a talk to the rest of the healthcare team about transgender and non-binary patients in the healthcare setting. Ugh. I'm getting so sick of the way the word respect gets tossed around all, all the time by the left nowadays. How about you stop disrespecting the rest of us? Something this idiotic and moronic is disrespectful to our common sense. It's disrespectful to the rest of us that have to go go along with this charade. It's disrespectful to regular, normal, sane human beings to pretend like this is not crazy. So stop walking around on your high horse thinking thinking that you're the respect queen over there. You are not respecting somebody's pronouns. You're feeding a delusional fantasy. You're helping them prolong the inevitable pain and suffering that they're going through mentally by pretending like there's nothing wrong with them, by pretending that it's rational to look at a man and call her she, or look at a woman and call her he, or whatever else you want to come out up out of the woodwork here. They, oh, 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 they come, come with me. Excuse me. I don't even know how the hell they would use it. That was a terrible example because I don't even know how to make fun of it because it's so stupid. Absolutely ridiculous. Get out of here with this nonsense. And that lady, all proud of herself. Ooh, I got to address the rest of the medical team and give them uh, proper instruction on how to do the pronoun stuff to everybody. Respect and respect and respect. See you later. You should have been walked out the door by your supervisor and and told to take a hike because you're an ineffective nurse because you you don't know the difference between a man and a, and a and a female you knucklehead but you see they're trying to get you everywhere and you wonder why none of us trust the medical community anymore you you wonder why none of us um follow the doctor's orders because it's been corrupted by people like that and they're going after our kids. We know that. They're going after kids in their appointments. They're trying to start this there. That's, that's why it's, you know, the, oh, the sacred doctor's office. And she even said, doesn't matter if they're coming in for operation or, or a consultation having to do with transgenderism. We're still going to respect that stuff. So if I go in there telling them I'm a girl, I'm a female, and I have something going on with my, with my junk, they're still going to call me she, her, this stuff, and the other thing. She said, if you're going in and, and you're going to see the gynecologist, but you now have uh, have a beard and your breasts were lopped off. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Can you spread your legs there, sir? Put your legs up in these uh, harnesses or well, what are they, stirrups or whatever? Yep, we're just going to uh, 
poke around a little bit and uh, get you on your way there, sir. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. Go Pats. Ridiculous. Next. All right. Let's keep with the same theme here of uh, trying to corrupt our kids when we start there in the uh, medical community. Let's go right back to the uh, schools, too, and see what they're, what they're trying to manipulate and, and brainwash into your children at a young age when we hear from this fifth grade teacher. Juice? Number four. Yes. I have had multiple students come out to me, not just with their sexuality, but also with their gender identity. It's one of the reasons I think it's so important to be out and loud and proud so that people feel comfortable coming to me and talking to me because I don't know how much different my life would have been if I had had somebody to come talk to about this kind of stuff. My hope is that every student will have somebody that they can talk to about this. If you had somebody to talk to about this stuff, you need somebody to talk to about this stuff now, lady. Maybe that's why you've regressed and you have and you get social and sexual satisfaction out of the praise and recognition you receive from fifth graders. You're not in fifth grade anymore. You're their teacher. Dress like you're a teacher, please. Dress like you're going to work. Conduct yourself with a little bit of professionalism and teach the children the subjects you're supposed to be teaching them. Don't come in with your crazy hair and your piercings and your tattoos, I know not this lady specifically on that, but in general, and start visually manipulating them before you even start to speak. There's rules and standards to society, and the way we're treating the public school system, the way we're treating schools in general, and even, even the doctor's office like the one we just talked about, standards are out the window now. Do we hold anybody accountable anymore? I mean, come on. Next. Oh. Let's go to uh, President Unity, the wannabe commander-in-chief, who's being run by a puppet shadow campaign behind him. <laughs> Mr., uh, I'm going to say this, and then everybody else on my staff's going to walk it back and really do what they would rather do instead. Wonders why Trump uh, was successful on a drain-the-swamp message. Smaller government, less administrative state. Hold our elected officials accountable. This guy was elected, but does he have a say? I don't know. You tell me. Let's say what he had to say to uh, 60 Minutes, uh, talking about China and a possible invasion of uh, Taiwan. Juice? Number three. What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to. A long time ago, and that uh, there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging them being independent. We're not. Let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. <laughs> Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. And that one's kind of a weird one. I kind of felt like we, we could have gone either way with it, Juice, maybe, with a right or a wrong, because the actual answer that... President Unity gave was correct, I think. You know, 
you want if China makes a move and they try to invade or they they do something, you would think that we would want to help and stand up for what's right, protect the little guy, right? Rally against um, a communist political enemy like China. But he says that, and in the interview, it's already getting walked back by the White House by uh, by the deep state, if you will, because they don't want to offend China. They are so afraid of pissing off the Chinese government because we're in their pockets. And it just makes me laugh. It makes Biden look completely horrible and weak. How many times does this have to happen to him? He says stuff like that. And then KJP comes up. What the president meant was, and it's the exact opposite. (laughs) This guy, not a joke. I'm not kidding. It's not a joke here. (laughs) Next. All right, let's get to the number two wrong of the week. Number two. <laughs> this one might help explain the one we just had, because if Biden's looking for a little bit of help on this, uh, you know, he's going to go to his right hand man there. He's going to go to his second in command. He's going to put put his head together with uh, with his brilliant, brilliant vice president. Kamalama ding dong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, that's not happening. So this clip we have here, um, remember the game we like to play people? We always find the word that, that she, she holds on to. And every time she's, <laughs> she's talking, giving remarks, speaking. So today's clip is, uh, is going to be community. Okay. You guys got that community. So take a drink every time you hear it. Juice. Number two. So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. <laughs> that was five communities in 14 seconds. Whoa. In case you were keeping score at home. Five times in 14 seconds because the community needs the community. <laughs> Within a community of a community of communities of banks. (laughs) Because the bank within a particular community, specifically communities of color and communities of the underserved, underprivileged, equitable, equity communities in... Communities with a community focus on the community on the whole. Community. <laughs> wow. How she got into politics, I, I mean, we know the backstory, but um, insane. Insane. D- d- she doesn't have a coach or something. She can't work some of this stuff out. Personally, I'm glad she doesn't because it's good for the show, but come on here. Next. All right. And our number one wrong of the week is going to go to none other than Maisie Hirano when she decided to uh, use some pretty enticing uh, calls to violence and asking for her fellow Democrats and supporters to rise up and come after their political rivals. Let's hear what she had to say. Number one wrong of the week. When I hear my colleagues talking about how 
You know, it should be states' rights or uh, government should not be telling us what to do. The word hypocrites, it doesn't even go far enough to call them out on what they're doing. This is an outright attack on women in this country. That is how I see it. That is how more and more women and those who support our right to make decisions about our own bodies. That is how we see it. And why? <laughs> because that's what's happening. Madam President, I yield the floor, but clearly, you know, this is a um, literally call to arms in our country. Yield the floor. Not figuratively, literally a call to arms. Literally a call to arms. Because people dare to tell women that they're not allowed to murder babies. She's ready to call to arms. Pick up a gun. Pick up whatever weapon you might have and fight and kill because the big, bad, mean, mega, mega Republicans are coming after you in your bodies. So fight back by any means necessary, literally, with weapons. Scary stuff. But the right-wing MAGA extremists are the ones President Unity Scar is worried about in that speech he gave a few weeks back. Makes you think. I told you when when we covered that speech, everything he said might as well have been holding a mirror up in front of himself because that's his party. His party are the violent extremists. His party uses the dangerous rhetoric. His party tries to make everything personal life attacks. If there's no gay marriage, you're trying to erase me. If you don't castrate children, you're trying to tell trans people they don't exist. If you blah, 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 whatever it may be, you're trying to erase me from society. How do you think people would respond for that? And then you have people like her up there telling them this is a literal call to arms. No wonder why that 41-year-old man ran over an 18-year-old Republican the other day because he thought the Republican was an extremist when they had a political debate. It's insane. But unfortunately, we have a corrupt media that's in the pockets of the deep state, the political administrative apparatus that's been holding on to power in Washington, D.C. forever. And they'll spin it so you never even hear that type of stuff or see that stuff. So that's why you got to come to the Right and Wrong Show. And that will do it for another session of our Wrongs of the Week. Next! All right, so everybody's heard by now the epic move that uh, Ron in Florida, Governor DeSantis, did when he uh, chartered a flight of 50 illegal aliens, migrants from Florida up to Martha's Vineyard. And the left just freaked out. They didn't know what to do. And we all got a good chuckle out of that. We all got to see hypocrisy in real time, I guess, because typically they at least wait three, four, five, six months until they till they pretend like they didn't say the thing they said or like they didn't uh, all of a sudden start changing the information they were providing to you. So DeSantis says, Massachusetts, places like Martha's Vineyard, Boston, Somerville, all you places up there, your sanctuary cities. All right, here you go. Some people seeking asylum. I'm a little overwhelmed here. Uh, my, my friends in Texas are completely overwhelmed. 
because the Biden administration is doing absolutely nothing about the illegal immigration going on in this country. In fact, the president is flying people all over the interior of the country, putting these migrants on planes himself and bringing them to different places to help uh, spread things out because the border cities are overwhelmed by this. So Governor DeSantis came in and said, hey, I can help you out there, there, President Unity. Here's something we can all unite on, right? All right, Joe, I got you. I'm going to send some up to Martha's Vineyard up there. Oh, they can be helped by the uh, shadow president himself, Obama, and, and his wife, Michael. Um, and they'll be able to take care of them there up in Martha's Vineyard. They got plenty of room there. Remember the place he had the huge birthday party in the middle of COVID when everybody else had to stay locked down and couldn't go out and couldn't gather, couldn't go to funerals, weddings, baptisms, birthday parties, but the former president got to have that huge bash. Yeah, yeah. Remember that place up there in Martha's Vineyard? Awesome. Season's over. Summer season just ended. You must have plenty of space up there. I'm just going to send 50 people. You guys can take care of them, right? You are a sanctuary city. And lo and behold, now Governor DeSantis is a human trafficker. He's an evil, evil man. How dare he use these people as political pawns? Okay. All right. I mean, coming from the people who actually built the cages and put kids in cages the Obama administration, coming from the left who has their famous Instagrammer, social media influencer, AOC, flying down to Texas in all white to stand at a fence and fake cry with these migrants in the background. Because the left does not use illegal aliens, immigration, people that cross the border illegally as political pawns. They would never do something like that. And the best part about what DeSantis did was that he sent them to a rich, glitzy, glam, celebrity, liberal getaway place. He didn't send them into Boston. He didn't send them to Mass Ave, to Methadone Mile, where it's already a disaster and a train wreck. He didn't send them into the heart of Chicago. He didn't send them to New York City. He sent them to one of those escape places for these upper crust liberal elitists. I can't wait till they send some to Cabo. Where else they need to go? Send them to all these these rich, fancy getaway destinations. And the sad part about this all is the people that did get sent, they are being exploited, I guess, in the story. I mean, we're still taking care of them. They still they I've never been on a chartered flight before in my life. Sounds great. But obviously, it's a bigger conversation that's supposed to be sparked because of this. And it's not safe for them to be coming the way they're coming. It's not safe for them to be crossing illegally. It's a slap in the face to any immigrant in this country that has come legally and has done things the right way, spent their time, money, resources, effort into becoming an American citizen. It's a slap in all of our faces when we could do something about this instead of just grandstanding on both sides of the aisle. I mean, I I think it's 90% the Democrats' fault, but Republicans own some of it too for for years past. But at least DeSantis seems like one that's not going to sit around and just keep doing the same old thing. And the Biden administration, Congress, which is controlled by the Democrats for now, they've had years to fix this problem to pass legislation that would be able to fix the immigration, 
the illegal immigration problem on the border, the southern border, and nobody wants to do anything about it. They just want to grandstand, simply put. They just want to hoot and holler about it. They want their photo ops. They want to campaign on it. But when push comes to shove, they don't want to actually do anything about it. Nobody wants any give and take whatsoever. And that's what it's going to have to be. You know what? Obama, you want, you want your dreamers program? That's fine. Build the wall. Close down the border then. Anybody that was in beforehand, sure, we'll, we'll work with that. But we're not going to give you this program. We're not going to do this stuff while we continue to have the border with a giant hole in it like a sieve. People need to stop waking up about it because everyone wants to wants to see images or, or talk about, you know, the, it, how would you feel, this, that, or the other thing. Like, we get it. I get it. Yes. If I was one of those people, I would want to be trying to get here too. We're lucky. We're privileged. Absolutely. For being born in the greatest country in the world. This country was founded by immigrants. The American dream was come on over, make something of yourself here. Awesome. I get all that. But that's not what immigration is today. It's not the same. And it pisses me off when you get people like the hack politician, Marty Walsh, who used to be the mayor of Boston, tell people, my parents were Irish immigrants. They came here. They immigrated from this country. I love immigrants. And, and we're a sanctuary city. We're going to help immigrants. I hate that comparison because it is not the same thing at all. His parents came here legally, as far as I know, and made something of themselves, became Americans, and, and allowed their son to succeed and become anything he wanted to be. And he did that. What didn't happen was people did not immigrate here to get on to the welfare system, to be dependent on the government, and to not assimilate. People did not used to do that. It was like, come on, you're coming here, you're getting an opportunity. What you need to do is you need to learn the language of the country you're in. You need to become a part of that country that you're now in. I'm not saying you have to abandon your old country. You could still have ties there, but you came here for a reason, not just to be a leech and a drain on the government, on the society that is here in place, not for everybody else to take care of you. This is an opportunity to come here and take care of yourself and build something for yourself. And you can do that here. You're not stuck in a class system. You're not held down by the political apparatus. And it's so great to see DeSantis kind of put that right on their doorstep up there in Martha's Vineyard. Because it was like, you want to sit here and and say all your slogans, do all your right things. You want to sit here and, and virtue signal from a distance all you want, but the people that own their vacation homes in Martha's Vineyard, they don't have to deal with the public schools that they're continuing to destroy because their kids go to private schools. They don't have to deal with the nonsense and violence in the inner cities when they're shouting to defund our police officers because they have their own private security and they live in the gated communities. And they can preach and talk all they want about what should be happening down at the southern border while they're sitting there sipping martinis overlooking the ocean at their private resort on Martha's Vineyard. And DeSantis said, you know what? Here it is. Your policies, your responsibilities, you deal with it. And in my mind, it was a checkmate move. There's no doubt about it. Martha's Vineyard is a magical place. 
a place we hope you get a chance to experience for yourself. All right, it's that time in the show where we get to move on to our rights of the week. All right? These are the good ones, ladies and gentlemen. So we got to give it up to these people for doing the right thing. Juice, you ready for them? All right, let's get right to it. The number five right of the week goes to this man who I don't know his name, but absolutely owns annoying squad member, Rashida Talib. Juice? Number five. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or Uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius? So no new fossil fuel production starting today. So that's like zero. So I would like to ask all of you and go down the list because, again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sir, you know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. That's awesome. That's like uh, in Billy Madison. She probably wanted to just be like, okay, a simple no would have done fine. He just came in like the other like the other guy. Absolutely not. And we are all dumber in this room for having to sit through that and listen to it. You moron. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. That was uh, like a group of bankers that she was trying to preach to. And nobody went along with what she was saying. The stupid go green BS that they're always trying to push. And correct me if I'm wrong, but was she trying to say Celsius? I don't know what she said. Celsius? But I believe the word she was looking for is Celsius. These guys are classic, though. I just love that the guy just, (laughs) he didn't just give the no. He had to throw in that other part, too, and make her absolutely look stupid. So great, great job. And, you know, if I find out what bank he runs and manages, I will not be encouraging people to remove and close their bank accounts. I might actually sign up and open a bank account with him after that. So good job, my man. Next. All right. This time we're going to go to uh, President Unity for a right for once. You know, we already gave him a wrong for the day. So let, let's try and redeem himself a little bit here with a right and uh, see what it was that he had to say. Go back to that 60 Minutes episode. Juice, you ready? Number four. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Amen. Look at that. He knows what he's doing. He can see. He knows. He has common sense. Wow. I never thought I'd see that coming from him. Great job, President Unity. The pandemic is over and it has been over since pretty much the day you took office. Maybe what? Three months later. What was that? March of 2020. 
2021 when the vaccines were widespread available to anybody. And since then, it's just become more and more evident that this thing is over and it's not as bad as we tried to make it out to be. The whole nine yards. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole. God forbid I might end up getting suspended and removed from YouTube again for that comment. But yeah, it's over. The only sad thing is the White House couldn't let them get away with just that. They couldn't let them be right just once. Not a joke, folks. Not a joke. KJP walked it back like a day later in a in a MSNBC little roundtable discussion talking about how, well, the president didn't really mean that, blah, blah, blah. She just talked in circles about the car show not being there forever and this, that, and the other thing and just danced around it and basically ended with like the solution being, yeah, he shouldn't have said that <laughs> because... When they want to relieve student debt and they want to ram down policies that aren't popular to everybody and they can't get them through the correct way, then they want that pandemic to be there in their back pocket to be able to use as a trump card. No pun intended, but that's what it's there for. Uh, So if he declares that it's over, they won't be able to do that anymore. So that pandemic, definitely not over, still going on. But you know what? President Biden, President Unity, I got to give you a little bit of credit for once for trying to say the right thing, even though the staff that controls you and the uh, deep state that's behind you making all the calls and telling you what to do, they unfortunately didn't agree with you. But we know you were right this time. Next. All right. This one, number three, might be my favorite one on there because it's one of my favorite people to uh, try and try and troll online for her stupid uh, berets. That's what they're called. Those silly little hats that they wear in France. Yeah, those things. This lady, she's a Boston city councilor, so I had to deal with her forever when I lived in Boston and when I worked in in Boston City Hall, uh, protecting people like that as a security officer at the metal detectors and all all that good stuff, you know? But she, um, (laughs) she's just dumb. Like, there's people that are are in the spots they are and they're manipulative and they're, um, you know, cunning and and calculating she's none of this she's just like empty space in between her ears she's a wannabe aoc uh where she wants to just go around and and be like an instagram influencer but she's just a lot less talented uh, a lot less good at it and she's just a lowly boston city councilor so it just uh isn't happening for her but needless to say every time you see her she's got these stupid looking berets on that match the rest of her outfits. She's got probably a stack of 50 of them in her closet, all different colors. So no matter what she's wearing, she can, she can rock one of those things. She thinks she's cool. Like she thinks she's like connects with the people, I think, but, uh, little does he, does she know most of us are just sitting there pointing and laughing at her. And when you hear her speak, you'll, you'll understand why, because in this clip, she gets absolutely roasted by a reverend and uh, another gentleman that were on a panel speaking to the Boston City Council about, uh, I think these guys were advocating for metal detectors to be put into the entrances to the schools. Because if you know, you know, nationally you might not, but Boston Public Schools have been having problems with some violence in the schools lately. So these guys are advocating to have some metal detectors put in the schools and that's just not a great idea, according to Councillor Mejia. So let's hear let's hear this exchange. Juice number three. 
And and I would just I'm curious about uh, the evidence or any um, research that you have that metal detectors actually do prevent um, violence in our schools. And I'm just curious because some of the research that I have come across that there is no evidence that states that just because the presence of a metal detector. Um, well, a metal detector is not the magic pill. No one said uh, that. Oh, no, because no, no. It, was, it was here as one of your, um, well, at least for F, uh, Reverend, if you want to talk to me a little bit about what research you have found that states that metal detectors do actually prevent violence. Well, well, well hold on. I'll stop it right there for a sec because, see, she has no clue what to say. She thinks like, like, like oh, what specific research on a piece of paper will tell me that uh, metal detectors prevent violence? Like, what? Absolute moron. And then she gets all flustered as soon as he throws something at her, a little curveball. And then I just cut him off, but this guy's about to come in and absolutely slam dunk the point home. And she has nowhere to go from there. So let's keep it going, Juice. Yeah. Um, fair question. Yeah, fair question. Let me ask you this. Why is there a metal detector at City Hall? Why have you advocated for a removal of the, the, the metal detector at City Hall? That's a real question. This is a city. Are you, concerned, are you concerned about a metal detector at City Hall? I'm not. You're not concerned about it being present? I, uh, so my question is, and I need you to answer the question that I'm asking specifically about metal detectors in our schools, and what evidence can you bring to this chamber that states that metal detectors are going to reduce violence? That's the question. It's a deterrent. It's a deterrent. The objective of a metal detector, then this is, this is not like physics or we, we don't need something from the American Political Science Association Journal. Metal detectors function. Are they perfect? No. No one's saying they're perfect. That's not the claim he made. Let me, let, let, let me finish. Sure. Metal detectors objectively function as a deterrent. No one's dumb enough to say, well, the, 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 you know, a metal detector will solve all crime. No. <laughs> And that's why that was a right for those two gentlemen right there. What great move by them. And she did not know what to do, all flustered. And the sad thing is, you know where I found that clip? She posted that to her own Twitter page. Like, she thinks she that, that made her look good or something? And her, her like, headline to the video was, do metal detectors, uh, where, where does it say metal detectors stop would stop crime in schools or violence in schools? absolutely moronic and i love that the reverend comes back in at the end there with the it's a deterrent of course it is it's not a solve all things it's not gonna fix everything but that's a start and i don't even know where she's trying to go with that what would her point be i don't even know why she would not want a metal detector in front of the schools or at the entrances if you're having problems like that it's a great way to make sure no knives and guns are being brought into schools. Like that one about six months ago, the elementary school that they found bullets in. Yeah, think a metal detector would be okay. Counselor Mejia, you moron. Spend a little bit less time on your hat selection and a little bit more time trying to protect our kids to keep the schools safe, to keep the city safe. And I think you'd be doing a hell of a lot better than you are, you knucklehead. Next! All right. The number two right of the week is going to go to this British journalist who was doing an interview with Don Lemon, 
I'm sure some of you have seen this one already because it was it's been making the rounds. But he had this woman on because they were talking about the funeral, the Queen's funeral. And why don't you just listen how the exchange went because it's great. Juice number two. Well, this is coming when you know this all of this wealth, and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism and they're wondering you know 100 billion dollars 24 billion dollars here and there 500 million there some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering why are we suffering when you are you know you have all of this vast wealth those are legitimate concerns well i think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it though what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain where was the beginning of the supply chain that was in africa and when that crossed the entire world when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue to, to discuss in the future. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! If you could have seen the uh, clip too, his face is like like deer in the headlights, not sure what to do. And and he was like uh, Tom Brady at the line of scrimmage. Fifty two's the mic. Fifty two's the mic. Audible, audible. Hot read, hot read. Abort, abort, abort. Let me get out of this interview as quickly as I can because I am out of my league here. And he's just like, oh, that, mm, that's an interesting point. All right. See you later. <laughs> but it's not an interesting point because he's not going to think about it. He's not going to examine it. He's not going to do a uh, his, his own critical thinking, if you will, on what she had to say. And I'm sure he'll just move on and uh, continue to race hustle tomorrow night or the night after or the next night. Because that's what he does. He's a one trick pony. Next. All right. And our number one right of the week. It's going to go to none other than Ron in Florida, baby. Governor DeSantis. He just had himself a fabulous week doing the move to uh, bring the illegal alien situation right on the doorstep of the uh, people up there in sanctuary cities, the wealthy elitists. And he's number one right now because of this press conference that he gave after the fact, explaining what he did and defending it. So why don't we let the governor speak for himself in his own words? Juice? Number one, right of the week. I also uh, was a little bit um, perplexed when I heard that the president is scrambling to get his cabinet together uh, to try to address 
the fact that you have governors who are helping to relocate illegal aliens to sanctuary cities. He didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when we had millions of people illegally pouring across the southern border. He didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when you had 43, 53 migrants die in some trailer in Texas because they were neglected by the federal government. It's only when you have 50 illegal aliens end up in a very wealthy, rich, sanctuary enclave that he decides to scramble on this. Yep, he nailed it. Amen, Governor DeSantis. Didn't care when it wasn't on his doorstep. That's something for Texas to worry about. That's something for those evil MAGA Republicans in a red state to deal with. We have our cocktail parties up here to go to. We have our mixers to get to. We got barbecues at the Obamas. So we can't we can't be dealing with that stuff. Come on, man. You got to be crazy. But now that it's on his doorstep, President Unity had has to do something about it. And he's scrambling, running around because these are the elitists that he's relying upon to keep him in his seat of power. So, of course, he's getting his cabinet together, running around, but DeSantis is a, a shrewd politician, and and I'm excited that the man's only in his 40s, so hopefully he remains in the political game for a long, long time to come. Great job, Governor DeSantis, and uh, I look forward to your eight years in the Oval Office that are soon to come, hopefully. Next! Okay, so for this one, we're going to kind of pop up north into Turd Boys territory and talk about a story coming out uh, that's that's going around the hockey world and uh, reaching the political world a little bit, too. So me and Juice, you know, we're big hockey guys, always have been. Uh, I know my, my southern followers down here might not know quite quite as much about it as we do, but that's one of those sports that the team captain is always um, made a big deal. Like there's, it, it's still a significant uh, responsibility and an honor and, uh, again, duty. Uh, I know I've mentioned that a few times throughout the show today, but there's a responsibility and a duty that comes with being the captain of your team. You're, you're, you, that player, the way they carry themselves, the way they play, all that stuff, it becomes the, um, you know, the identity and the makeup of that team. Some of those guys are, are big rah-rah in your face, loud guys. Some are a little bit more quiet, subdued, come in, do your job, work hard, and, and play. But, you know, they're the leader of the team. So about a week ago, uh, the Montreal Canadiens play up there in Quebec, you know, who a uh, place in Canada that's famous for wanting to separate themselves from the rest of Canada, become their own their own country. I don't know how passionate and how how uh, how much they still feel that way. I know at one point it was uh, it was all the craze up there, but um, it's always always been known as a part that has a little bit of a of a little "we're better than you" attitude to them about everybody else. Pretty much, they hate Americans. They're not very fond of um, the rest of Canada. They they speak French. They have that that very uh kind of snobbish attitude i've only been there once i was a little little kid when i was there but that that's the vibe i got at least and the reason i wanted to talk about it today 
And the reason I talked about the naming of a captain is because the Montreal Canadiens are the, um, you know, the, the New York Yankees, the Boston Celtics, the uh, Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. That's kind of their, their standing in the hockey world, at least. I don't know. I, I think they're they're up there. Uh, it could be debated a little bit. But they just named their best player, 23-year-old Nick Suzuki, team captain. He's uh, He is. He's a good player. Solid, solid player. I think it's a fine choice. Um, frankly, I don't really care who their captain is. But immediately, the choice of Suzuki sparked outrage in the media. It got politicians on both sides of the aisle speaking out about how how it's an okay choice, but the fact that Suzuki does not speak French could be a problem for him, and it's not the right way to connect with the fan base. And it just really grinded my gears and really got to me. That's why I wanted to talk about it today, because anywhere else in the world, this type of stuff would not be accepted. This type of bigotry and racism would not be accepted especially in 2022. And he's he's a Canadian, Suzuki, born in Canada, just doesn't speak French. He actually said in his press conference, he was told by the by the coach Martin Saint-Louis that he was going to be the captain, that's the direction they were going back in over the summer. So, he took that time throughout the summer to try to learn French. Pathetic. I would have been like take your French and shove it you morons. But this kid went out of his way to try and learn. And he, he was talking to the media. He said, you know what? I, uh, I, I can understand. I can read it. I just can't really speak it all that well. Uh, and that's still not good enough. The angles on the story that I've seen was he'll, he'll get there. Even, even the people that were defending him weren't all that upset at the outrage that he needs to learn it. They were just like, oh, he's getting there. He will get there someday. Screw you guys. He does not need to get there and he shouldn't need to get there. And this one really frustrates me because this has been going on for years and it's like a non-story. Every coach that the Canadians hire, that's a requirement. Whether they explicitly say it or not, their coach has to be able to speak French so that he can take questions in English and French in the press conferences after the games. How pathetic is that? You know, the Red Sox have Alex Cora coaching their team. They did specifically try to get him. I think they said it. If they didn't, it was implied because he is bilingual and he can speak Spanish with the players and stuff like that. But how pathetic would it be if that was a requirement for him to do his press conferences like that? Oh, you only speak English? We have we have um, a Spanish population here or, or, or whatever. Say it was Miami, not the Red Sox. It was... Down, down there in Florida, we have a you know huge fan base of uh, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking community. If you can't do your press conferences in Spanish, you can't coach this team. Mm-mm. Get out of here. Vamos. Absolutely ridiculous. And Canada, the Canada, I say, sorry. The Canadians have been getting away with this for years. And it's a lot easier to sweep this under the rug because everybody in the story has white skin. And that's all that matters. So it's not racist. It's not bigoted. It's not. Um, it's not a problem. We can we can go along with it. But if Suzuki had black skin, then I'm sure he'd be able to speak English. Nobody would care. If the people of Quebec had a darker 
skin pigment, they'd be completely right to to demand French speaking from their coach, from their players. How dare you do that to them? Get out of here with that. And get out of here, you garbage, horrible franchise, Montreal Canadiens. I love the fact that you have not won a Stanley Cup in, what's the math here? Coming on 30 years? <laughs> and as long as they continue to pick coaches, general managers, players and captains, based on the language they speak, it's going to be another 30 years till they win another Stanley Cup. And I'll be laughing and laughing and laughing. Vous parlez français? All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we've reached that time in the show where we get to move on to our Come On Men segment of the day. That's right. This is when we get to find some moron from the left, somebody who just needs to be absolutely destroyed and roasted by the right and wrong boys, and we get to play them in their own words for you and then pick it all apart. And it's usually so dumb, so stupid, so disgusting, disturbing, or dangerous that there's only one thing we can say, and that's, come on, man. So, without further ado, why don't we uh, go to this hero sheriff down there in Texas who decided to have a press conference and talk about how he was going to take up criminal charges against Ron in Florida for taking the Venezuelan immigrants on a vacation to Martha's Vineyard. So this political hack who's a elected official, Democrat, of course, thinks he's, he's, he's a hero. He's a hero of the left, a champion of the left. He's enjoying his 15 minutes of fame because he uh, did a meaningless press conference where he tried to sound smart and dignified as opposed to dangerous Ron DeSantis who's playing politics with human lives. So, without further ado, let's take it over to Sheriff Salazar. Juice, you ready? All right. We are opening up a case uh, with an investigation with regard to the suspected uh, activities involving the 48 migrants from Venezuela that, as we understand it at this point, the facts of the case at this point, are that on uh, Wednesday, September 14th, uh, here in Bear County in the city of San Antonio, uh, our understanding is that a Venezuelan migrant uh, was paid a, a, what we would call a bird dog fee to recruit approximately 50 migrants from the area around a migrant resource center on San Pedro uh, here in San Antonio. Uh, as we understand it, 48 migrants were uh, lured, I will use the word lured, uh, under false pretenses uh, on, into into staying at a hotel for a couple of days. Uh, they were taken by airplane. At a certain point, they were shuttled to an airplane uh, where they were flown to Florida and then eventually flown to Martha's Vineyard. Again, under false pretenses is the, the information that we have, that they were promised work. They were promised the solution to several of their problems. They were taken to uh, Martha's Vineyard from what from what we can gather uh, for nothing for little more than a photo op, video op, and then they were unceremoniously stranded in Martha's Vineyard. All right, so you guys take that all in. I think they were brought to Martha's Vineyard for, as I understand it, to prove a point. Yes, it's a political point. Yes, 
cameras were there to record and take photos of it. Absolutely, it was politically motivated, but it was done to prove the point. And I'm going to just use the word jackass because, yes, you are a jackass. It was done to prove the point that Democrats want to sit back on their high horse in their ivory towers and rule, make all these decisions, but they never want to leave the gates of the Red Keep and see what's actually going on in the real world. They want to sit there on their fancy Martha's Vineyard retreat in their, in their summer homes, their vacation homes, sipping martinis, smoking cigars, and deciding the fate of the rest of us, all in the comforts and luxuries of their wealthy, wealthy escape homes. So what DeSantis did was bring it right to their doorsteps and show them what was going on. And they freaked out. And so are you, you jackass. And like I said, it was done to prove the point. Like, this is a problem. This is serious. These things are happening. And it's because of the idiotic policies that these people support, that these people advocate for. So don't come out with your press conference now after the fact trying to act like you're a hero because you're not. And it's awesome. We got some uh, comments I'm going to read to you that came from the DeSantis camp after this guy (laughs) gave his press conference. I just love Ron DeSantis and his team. Okay, these statements are from a spokesperson for DeSantis, and they responded to the remarks by Salazar by saying this, quote, immigrants have been more than willing to leave Bexar County after being abandoned, homeless, and left to fend for themselves. Florida gave them an opportunity to seek greener pastures in a sanctuary jurisdiction that offered greater resources for them, as we expected, the spokesperson continued. Unless the Mass National <laughs> Sorry, unless the Massachusetts National Guard has abandoned these individuals, they have been provided accommodations, clothing, and more options to succeed following their unfair enticement into the United States. Unlike the 53 immigrants who died in a truck found abandoned in Bexar County this June. Boom. Mic drop. Roasted. Point DeSantis. 50-something. Remember, it was I think it was 53 people found in the back of that truck back in June that roasted to death. Literally, Maisie Hirono, literally roasted to death. And it was swept under the rug. It was in and out of the news cycle. Bring 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard and the world stops. We get comments from everybody, Biden, everybody. They all want to comment on it. Now we're holding press conferences to take up criminal charges against DeSantis. He put people on a private cha- on a chartered flight, private chartered flight, and brought them to vacation town. This jackass sheriff... People like him, you allowed people, you allow, you allow them to be forgotten about and left in the back of a truck to roast to death, you jackass. Let's hear a follow-up that this guy had had to say too. Uh, I think it was in the same press conference um, when, when he was he was responding to uh, some of the questions. Juice, you got that one. What infuriates me the most about this case is that here we have 48 people that are already on, on hard times, uh, right? They are here legally in our country at that point. They have every right to be where they are. And I believe that they were preyed upon. Somebody came from out of state, preyed upon these people. Um, 
lured them with promises of, of a better life, which is what they were absolutely looking for, and with the knowledge that they were going to cling to whatever hope they could, they could be offered for a better life, uh, to just be uh, exploited and uh, hoodwinked into making this trip to Florida and then onward to Martha's Vineyard for what I believe to be nothing more than political posturing uh, to make a point. We still got that Mara? We still have the Mara? Can we hold that up for this guy too? I mean, come on here. Have Democrats been doing this for years, luring these people with false promise, promises of greener pastures here in America, giving them false hope and promises of, of work and a better life? And, you know, I guess I'm splitting hairs because even even a life of um, dependency and, and, you know, living underground illegally in America, I guess, is better than some of these other places they're coming from. But you understand the point I'm trying to make here. It's like, come on already. Is this guy serious? He's an absolute ass clown. And that's the reason Sheriff Salazar earned himself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today, ladies and gentlemen. Want to thank everybody that was uh, has been joining the show, has been following us, and and all of our new listeners that that have been jumping on board. Give us a like on Apple and Spotify, please. Subscribe so you you get that bell icon notifies you every time we put out some new content. Drop a comment in the uh, in in the things underneath there too, the bottom of the page, you know. And hey, while you're there, give us a five star rating, please. Okay. We appreciate all the love and support, and until next week, uh, I don't think I have anything else to say to you guys except thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice, executive producer Juice. Audio mixer is Juice, hair by Skull Shavers, wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka, Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.